Hi, everybody. Welcome to Third Line is Plug. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jensey. Tim, how's it going, sir? Going real well. Renovations are in full swing, and we get to talk about three great Sens games. Sadly, it was only two wins and a loss, but the third one could have easily been a one as well. Oh, easily. Easily. And you know what? We got a lot of stuff to talk about on today's episode. Like you said, we got three great Sens games to talk about. But before we do anything, Tim, we're going to talk about today's cover athlete for today's episode, Season 7, Episode 9, in chronological order, Episode 159, the Eric Goldman episode. So just a lot of background about Eric Goldman. He was selected 212th overall by the Ottawa Senators in 1996. He played his lone game for the Senators in the 1999-2000 season. So he's one of these players that, again, like we mentioned last week, do you remember him? Neither do we. But it's really cool because I looked him up on Hockey DB and he had a very extensive career in Germany. And he predated Tim Stutzla playing for Adler Mannheim in Germany by about 15 years. Yeah, he's got at least two seasons. He has two seasons with them. What's wild is these stat lines are. Interesting to say the least. He had no goals and three assists in 70 games for Mannheim. And you can definitely, looking at the stat line, his first stint in Germany, he was definitely a face puncher. And did his game against Otto, it is NHL game, he didn't do much of that. And what's interesting is the face punching kind of falls off when he comes to the AHL, but this, he never really gets a scoring touch after that. And he just kind of is like a fourth line guy, I guess. Yeah, he's kind of is what he is, right? He's not too much other than a face puncher. Yeah, and it's just bizarre that he even got a call up. Let's be real here. Yeah, I wonder like who would have gotten hurt. It must have been somebody real low on the totem pole for him to get a call up. So who did we even have on that team? (laughs) <laughs> the eternal question, right? 99-2000? I mean, in fairness, it's more of a who didn't we have on the team. Because it's like, okay, let's go through it. Alfie. Spezza. First of all, happy birthday, Alfie. Oh, sorry. No Spets, but yeah, Alfie. I think we still had Yash in that year. Or was that the holdout year? That was the holdout year. So Redden was on that team. I want to say Hosa was on that team. I want to say Sean McC- Kerkeren is on that team too. Ooh, there's a number of guys. I'm, you know what? We should honestly just Google this because I think we're gonna hear some names on this. Or it's just like, oh, I remember that guy. It's gonna be this is the guy who got hurt. <laughs> exactly. Oh, he was drafted the eighth round of that notoriously awful '96 draft too, which I guess should tell us something. Like, who no. would have gotten hurt on that? Because yeah, you had Alfie Arvidsson, Todd Barrasso, Bonk. Vinny Prospel, McEachern, Joe Judo, Wade Redden, Andreas Drac, Andreas Dackel, Jason York, Sean Van Allen, Patrick Traverse. Yeah, Igor Kravchuk, Sammy Salo. Oh. 
Kevin Deneed. Mike Fisher, 32 games. Andre Waugh. Colin Forbes. Peter Schlevick. Schlevick. Peter Schlevick. Yeah, like, who would have gotten hurt for this guy to make it in? I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at some of the names here. Oh, my God. Remember John Gruden, the kid that we drafted a few years ago? Yeah, his dad. The original John Gruden, nine (laughs) games on this team. That's powerful. Yeah, David Van Drunen, former third-line plug cover athlete, one game. Ronnie Tugnut, former third-line plug interview guest, played 44 games that year. Patrick Laleem played 38. I think this is like the first year Patty Laleem finally got in the game. That's actually pretty cool. It is pretty cool, man. It is pretty cool. So, again, you know, with some of these cover athletes, Tim, you know, we always talk about their careers and everything, but there's not much to say about Eric Goldman. Other than that, he had that really weirdly lengthy career in Germany, of all places. Exactly, man. Exactly. But I'll tell you who didn't have a lengthy career in Germany is our cover athlete for next week's episode, Season 7, Episode 10, in chronological order, Episode 160, Lassie Thompson. Hey, he's back. He's back. And you know what, Tim? I'm going to say for Episode 11 of Season 7, we get to go talk about 61. Uh Uh-huh. Can we install a ruling right here? that from here on then we're not going to repeat cover athletes you know how mark stone was episode 61 yep what if we got somebody else for 61 yeah Who sure you guys there's andre benoit Derek brizard oh we could bring back the poll we could bring back the poll Corey yeah. Stillman. let's do it Man, I can you thought- do the poll on instagram I'm sure I can. I'll have to look into yeah. that. I'm sure I can. I'm sure I can, man. Honestly, those talk about Lassie Thompson is going to be real fun for next week. But sticking with this week, Tim, I've got to ask the question. A question that our listeners love knowing and I love asking. How's everything been going? Well, it's been good. Uh, you know, usual busy with work, busy with renos. Yeah, it's uh, just been, we got the plumbers in today and our house has poly B pipe in it. So we're ripping that out. And uh, they basically looked at it. It's like, it's kind of impressive that none of this has degraded. Yeah. Because that stuff was notorious for just like, instead of bursting and having an obvious issue, just developing seeps, which would cause mold issues. Yeah, we just wrote. Yeah. But they looked at it. It's like, oh, yeah, but it's got all like the copper fittings and stuff. So, like, the usual places where there's like a plastic joint and you like touch it and it just disintegrates isn't there. So, that might be part of it. Right. Well, what year was your house built in, man? 95. 95. Okay. So, like, the end tail end of Poly B. So, they knew all the like all the BS, but there just wasn't anything better. Yeah. They, nothing better had really come along just yet. Yeah. Well, like, PEX hadn't happened, happened yet. Expensive. Yeah. No, that's honestly really cool, man, because I know that, I mean, we were talking a little bit about this the last couple of weeks about your guys' rentals in your place, and really happy to hear it. it's coming along nice, man. Yeah. So I do want to comment on something that I did this past week. So Hi. this actually ties into one of the games this week. Sends and Leafs. Okay. You and I both watched it. It was one of those games where... Ottawa easily should have been up 3-4-0. Like, nothing, right? 
Oh yeah, Wall played fantastically. We'll get to that. Sens go down three to one, and I'm sitting here frustrated and I'm upset. And I made a con- I made a conscious decision to say, you know what? I'm just going to turn this off. I think I've made a breakthrough in my sports fandom, Tim. I think that I've you got can to turn off the game now. I can I think I've gotten to that point? Was like, you know what? I don't need to sit here and watch this. I can go do something else. But what's wild about that game is the Sens really turned it back. They at least made, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. We will. We will. So yeah, I turned it off and Katrina wanted to go look at Christmas lights, you know, some of the houses and stuff and Lady Smith. And I said, you know what? Let's go do that instead. So it was a really nice night. We drove around Lady Smith. We saw the lights. We drove around Shimanas, Crofton, Duncan. We came back into the properties where we live. And I got to highlight this one house that I ended up seeing because they understood the assignment. It was it's your my mom parents' and dad's house. Yeah, it was your mom and dad's place. We drove past Phil and Jamie Jensie's, and we're like, "Damn, look at this house!" <laughs> I got to ask because her and I were talking about this. I'm taking it that your mom goes all out for this, correct? Or is that your dad? It's dad. Is it? Well, dad? it's actually both of them. Yeah. I was gonna say that seems like something your mom would do. That seems like a thing that your mom would get into. And she's like, Phil, come help me. I don't think you understand how much my dad likes knickknacks and decoratives. And it's fairness. I mean, in all the years that you and I have been friends, it's funny how, like, little I know of your dad. That's fair. That's fair. In fairness, I mean, I don't think I actually met your dad till we were out of school. Actually, yeah, I think that is true. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I never met your dad until we were, like, 19. Yeah. Your mom obviously did all the did all the volunteer stuff while dad was working. Yeah, school when we were there, right? So I got to know Mrs. Jensie better, but I never knew your dad. Oh, he's a fun guy. No, he's a great guy. I love Phil, man. He's a cool dude. But yeah, Katrina was just really disappointed. Like we were driving around, and there was just tons of houses that wasn't really. It was just lights, right? Yeah, it was just not lit up or anything. It was just kind of, eh. Yeah, you guys would be impressed with what we have. You know how we have the white posts that kind of lead up the porch? I use red lights to turn those into a candy cane. Yeah. And then I have some white lights on the banister. That's Mm -hmm. about it. That's not too bad. I mean, you guys don't have a super big house anyway, so. No, but it's also like, I look at the lights, I'm like, ah, that'd be so, kind of want to get more Christmas ornaments. Then I look at it, I was like, the light up deer with 30 lights is $250. I'm like, no. Yeah, that's just something that you would have to be you would have to be super into it or you'd have the money to justify us. Well, it's like it's like I I like this, I don't like it that much. Mm-hmm. And it's like my Halloween decorations I have a skeleton, a little skeleton, and some lights. But I also only get like 20 trick-or-treaters, so it's like, I will make decorations to show that I am here. I will carve one jack-o'-lantern. I will do it the absolute last minute. As is the style of the time. I mean, does anyone really, really have it in them to carve a jack-o'-lantern on a day other than the 31st? Oh, you know what? I was going to say, I think this was the first year I actually did it at all. Like carve jack-o'-lantern or carve one before? Yeah. No, like actually jack uh, carve a jack-o'-lantern. Really? 
well yeah i was just like i think i may have done it like once throughout my life i was like eh, because i'm i think i'm too cool for it like oh i don't need to do this this is not me man right that's fair that's fair yeah but that's like actually bill burr had a bit about this in one of his early specials talking about when him and his wife first got together he figured for a halloween not halloween like thanksgiving or something he says you know what i'm gonna make a pie and then he had to commit to making this pie yeah even though he says you know what it could have been easier for me to go to freaking costco or somewhere and just get a pie no i told her i was gonna make a pie i made the pie i got angry about it but i made it pumpkin pie like uh, chelsea made her first pumpkin pie this year and it's a lot of work yeah what's your honest take on pumpkin pie i'm not a fan i like it it's not my favorite yeah it's not an apple crisp it's not an apple crisp it's not an apple pie it's not cherry pie Ooh, see hot take i'm not a super cherry pie fan myself are you talking sweet cherry or sour cherry I think we've had this discussion. We have. Yeah. yeah. I think it's sweet cherry. I'm not a not a cherry pie fan. Right. Yeah. No, I don't know. Pumpkin pie. Not my favorite, though. Not my favorite. God damn it. You got me craving an apple crisp now. <laughs> Thank God Katrina's mom made one before they left. Dang. I'm jelly. Oh, I know, man. Like, we were at the cathedral uh, serving up pumpkin. Sorry, apple pie was one of the desserts we were serving up. And I'm just like. Wow, I'm going home and have a dessert. <laughs> yeah. Or you're just like, you know what? I'm going to go to Safeway. I'm going to buy, buy one myself. And I'm just going to sit in my chair. Oh, it was wild. There was uh, one guy at the cathedral every week. Every couple weeks or so, I go and help out with the soup kitchen, right? And uh, there was this one gentleman. I'm not going to name names, but we we're handing out desserts. And you can have as many desserts as you want, right? Because it was a pretty slow day. This guy ate half a pie. He just kept asking, like... We'd keep setting the desserts around, and he'd be like, yep, yep, yep. And we're like, you know what? Go for it. This might yep. be the most calories you've had all week, and you need that. Eat the pie. So yeah, the guy just had five slices of pie, and we'd cut the pies into ten. So the guy had, and we, it, they weren't exactly even cuts. So yeah, the guy had at least half a pie. Like, you know more power to him. That. Yeah, I could respect that. I can respect that. It's like when you go to thrifties and you see like the half pies there and you're like, I'm tempted to eat you, but I know I can't. It's like that you could be dinner. You shouldn't be dinner, but you could. That's right. It's like that large pizza when you lived in Ottawa by yourself. A large pizza. Oh, did I ever tell you? Oh, for anyone listening to this in Ottawa, I used to go to the Donair place on Bronson just called, I think it was just called Halifax Donairs on Bronson. And I'd get these extra large Donairs that were no joke, the size of my forearm. And it would hurt, but I'd eat them. Like, if you're looking for, like, absolute garbage drunk food, the, I'm gonna look this place up just so I can give the name, but I believe it's just called Halifax Donair on Bronson. Well, given you don't drink anymore, is this something you would still eat, though? I ain't a sober. But, okay, no, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, like, I had this place. I used to have this place on my browser fate. Oh, I think it's Center is it Centertown Donair? Yeah, Centertown Halifax Donair on Bronson. Yeah, this is the place I used to go to. Oh, man. Gotta love the free pub. Gotta leave the free pub. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I thought it was great. Chelsea tried to eat one. Uh, she, she, it took her two tries. 
but she got through it. I don't know why. I'd also be the madman to order extra meat. Actually, let's see what the... Is it still, like, absurdly cheap, too? Let's see. Two small toners, two cans of pop for $18. Yeah! This is what we're talking about. Buddy, this you're is just college like, food. I was going to say, you're encouraging me to go back to Ottawa now. Yeah! Yeah, donair to, a large donair and a pita is 12 bucks. I don't think they changed their prices since when I was buying these in Ottawa. Uh, you know what? Gotta tap our hats to them, man. Yeah, no, these guys are great. They are great. Damn it, you got me craving donairs too now. But yeah, okay, that's our Ottawa, send- Ottawa food take of the day. Oh, second Ottawa food take of the day before we get into top of the hour. Reminder to everyone to sign up for Gabriel Pizza's Senzaroni Sends Pizza deal, where if the Send score four more, you get a cheap, small Gabe's Pizza the next day. Like, yes, I know everyone has their opinions on Gabe's Pizza. I think it's good enough. And if you're getting like, a, I think it's a $4 small personal pepperoni pizza. Like, you do that. And this, the Sends score four often enough. We're going to talk about it twice. Yeah, this week, like you should. Yeah, it's their Senzaroni deal. Wasn't that the one like back in the day of the cash line where if you scored four, you get like a free pizza? I think so. Let's see. Team up Gabriel's Pizza, perfect game night combo. Oh no, that's not the right one. But yeah, no, Gabe's Pizza does have a Seds deal. Nice. It's great. That's awesome. Yeah, I've never, never tried Gabe's. But then again, I've only been to Ottawa one time, so. I think the last time I had Gabe's was like 2017? No, 2018. I was hungry at work. Fair enough, man. Fair enough. So, Tim, I got a question to ask, man. Do you want to keep talking about Ottawa food takes, or do you want to segue into this little segment I like to call Top of the Hour? Let's do it. Honestly, all this food talk, man. Probably because I haven't eaten dinner yet. That's probably why that I'm craving all these foods. But in fairness, you know me. I don't eat dinner until later in the day. That's evening. true. That's true. Yeah. So, Tim, we've got to give a couple of congratulations. We're going to start off with Washington Capitals captain Alex Ovechkin, who recorded his 1,500th career point during the team's game versus the Dallas Stars. Did it? Yeah, man, he's having a rough year. Like, this is sad to watch. Yeah, like, I remember people talking about, uh, just like, it seems like he's completely slowed down. Like, I hope it is. It isn't the beginning of the end. Because that would be just really sad to see. But yeah, like, he did it. Kind of sarcastic is really what sums that up. Yeah. I, I want to see him score. I see him beat that record, though. It's true because that's the white unicorn, man. That's like the Shohei Otani of fucking records right there. I know we were talking about this. Uh, I was talking about it with some friends yesterday, but it's just like, it's kind of insane. Just what Shohei Otani has been able to do, especially when you realize that years ago, people just assumed that a Japanese person would never win like the home run king. And what does he do? He goes to play for the Dodgers. Do you want to talk about the social media meltdown? <laughs> Ah, well, I mean, given that we're going to be talking about Los Angeles here, yeah, let's quickly talk about that. What the heck happened? 
Because like all this, like Friday, people are like, yep, he signed with the Jays. He's even on this plane. That all of that's just wrong. Like there's an article at Sportsnet saying basically, like, yeah, you signed with us. And then Sportsnet tried to blame social media about that. Yeah, basically. Like, what? Who, well, who was it? Somebody was trying to say that Sportsnet was going to not renew their NHL package to try and sign them. Yeah, I forgot who said that. I don't think it was Simmer, but no, I believe. Was it McKit? Was it Blake McCurdy? No. I think think it might have been Sean McKit. Like, I feel like I read read something that suggested that Rodgers was just losing a shitload of money on the NHL contract. Yeah. And that not re-signing it would have allowed funds for Otani. Which, at the first, when I first read them, like, that's weird. Why are those things related? But also, if Rodgers is losing a shitload of money on this contract, maybe it'll stop. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I know that Adam and I, when we did our podcast last night, we quickly mentioned this and I says, hey, can't blame me. I'm on TELUS. <laughs> Same. Well, I'm on a government contract, so I'm costing them money, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, man. So sticking to Los Angeles, we also got to give a quick congratulations to their captain, to the Los Angeles Kings, Anze Kopitar, who became the franchise's all-time assist leader with 758, passing... Marcel Dion. We say this every time, but it's it's always funny that it's like all of a sudden it's like you have all this attention on oh Crosby's past this person. Ovechkin is stalking Gretzky, and then Anze Kopitar is just silently putting together this fantastic career in LA that just seems ageless. Like it's definitely not to the same degree as those guys, but LA has been incredible this season. And Anze Kopitar being basically ageless is a large part of this. Like, uh, I could see Anze Kopitar pushing himself further up that goal, sorry, like the all-time points list, and maybe even going deep into the playoffs this season, because LA has been fantastic, and he is he is a core contributor to that team. No, he really has. He really has. And you know what really surprised me about this story, Tim, is that with the Los Angeles Kings, I always associate it with Gretzky, and yet I tend to forget Marcel Dion holds like a lot of team records for them. Well, it's just Gretzky wasn't there as long, right? I know, but still, Gretzky put up some numbers like in oh, eight yeah. years he played there. It's not like he was some scrub, but Dion himself played a long time, and he played on some, I wouldn't say great LA teams. And I think that's probably the one thing that's holding him back is that he just played on okay teams. Right. And I don't think a lot of people really gave the LA Kings their due until Gretzky show up, showed up and then just willed a cup. Yeah. I mean, in fairness, you can't take a team seriously when you're wearing gold and purple. I am going to fight you on that one. You know what's incredible, though? What? Remember how I... I think a couple seasons back, I mentioned I rewatched Space Jam, right? Mm-hmm. And there was a joke about Disney buying an expansion team for Anaheim. The and you know what's incredible about that? How badly that joke ages? What? Because it's in this wheelhouse of Warner Brothers always managing to copy what Disney did, but worse. Ted Turner, who had, a, I believe, a controlling share of AOL Time Warner at the time bought the expansion rights for the Atlanta Thrashers 
And that just makes that joke so much funnier. Yeah, I just love the fact when the joke is like, we're going to call the team the Ducks, please. What kind of Mickey Mouse organization would name their team the Ducks? And then we just get the Thrashers. And it's funny because they're named after a bird, too. <laughs> yeah, the state bird, even. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to move away from California and talk about Carolina. because We're going to give a shout out to Carolina Hurricanes defenseman Brent Burns, who recorded his 600th career assist. Remember when everybody thought Burns was done? And then he just has this massive career revival. I think it's also just getting less and less weird to see Brent Burns wear a color other than green. That is true. That is true. I mean, he went from Minnesota to Teal in San Jose. Jose. And now he's in Carolina. I guess he got the red back. He did. Well, he's definitely been lighting it up then in Carolina. He's been a great pickup for the Hurricanes. Oh, yeah. Like, this year isn't quite as insane as last season, but 13 points in 27 games is, especially because he's not playing first nine minutes, is nothing to sniff at. Yeah. Well, it isn't. The only thing for me about Brent Burns is that in the last couple of years, we've talked about the Hurricanes in the playoffs. been Being able to get over the hump to get to the finals is Brent Burns going to be that guy? Going to take a lot for this year's addition to the Carolina Hurricanes because they are really fighting the Carolina curse of we are the best defensive team in the league. Our goalie is playing from the stands. That goaltending is really not working. Colorado Avalanche forward Nathan McKinnon recorded his 500th career assist during the team's game versus the Anaheim Ducks. I wonder how he celebrated. Do you think he went out and ate some carbs? No. No, that's not Nathan McKinnon. He probably he probably ate some chickpea, got mad, and punched a hole in the wall. I mean, whatever gets him to uh, his next crazy record, I don't think anyone's going to be arguing. No, and... Nathan McKinnon, you know, as much as we make fun of the diet and just apparently what he's like in the room, you can't deny the guy's talent. Of course. And he was a guy that for a while there, I think people were just kind of, is this basically what he's just going to be? A 50-point guy in the NHL? Yeah, it's so weird how he really emerged the minute Matt Duchesne left. And like, I doubt those things are related and that's probably why the Duchesne train even was able to happen. But it's just very funny timing. No, it is really funny timing, but you know what? You would have to, you would have to admit there probably is some correlation between Duchesne leaving and McKinnon and becoming the full-time number one guy. Oh yeah. Like all of a sudden there's space for him. He still has to get 10 points to catch Kucherov, so we'll see what he gets. Yeah. Now, speaking about Matt Duchesne, Tim, we also got to give a quick quick shout-out to him because he play- He also played in his 1,000th career game this past week. Yeah, and it's been a weird career for Matt Duchesne, especially with the way like his time in uh, Nashville ended. <laughs> but Dallas has been a great fit for him so far. And the thousand and one games for Duchesne, 
Hopefully he has a couple more in him because at 33, he still looks like he has the talent, 20 points in 25 games. The guy has not slowed down. No, he hasn't. I think the only thing I do got to note, just looking at my notes, is that I misput Nashville forward Matt Duchesne instead of Dallas forward Matt Duchesne. You blew it. I blew it. But I'll tell you who didn't blow it, though, Tim. Victor Hedman. He also played in 1,000 games this week. A lot of 1,000s this year. But, man, I, I like Victor Hedman. He has been a top defenseman in the NHL for a very long time, but it's it's not coming from this season. The underlying numbers for the first time in a long time have just been bad. And it's kind of hard to watch, honestly. It is, but I almost look at Tampa Bay and I feel that father time has finally caught up to them. Because again, Vasilevsky <laughs> was gone for the first month. Everybody there is just kind of there. Except for yeah. Kucherov. I mean, Kucherov is like the exception, right? But but no, you're right. I mean, Victor Hedman, he's not been himself. Yeah, and it, you started to kind of see signs of it last year. And you really see it this year. Yeah. Like the defense, the defensive play is just not there anymore. But at the same time, the offense still is. So it's not like he's a complete detriment, but he's not the guy who will shut you down and then just press you on the other end that he used to be. But also, like, I think credit where credit is due for Tampa Bay. In Vasilevsky's absence, Jonas Johansson and Matt Tompkins did a surprisingly good job. Yeah, those are like some scab football names there. Yeah, it's the I need a character, EA give me a name, names. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. No, that's exactly what I was going to say, Tim. So I'm glad that you and I are on the same page, buddy. Perfect. Yep. The NHL have announced that the 2024 NHL Interdraft will be held at the Sphere in Las Vegas. Said draft will be the final one before decentralizing. I hope they actually do something cool with the sphere. Because otherwise, it's kind of the real question about why. Like, why should I watch the draft? Because it's like, oh, we're making a big deal about it. Players are getting selected. And, like, that's legitimately interesting. But the actual draft product was never that interesting, let's be real. And you're putting it in an interesting place. Will the NHL do something interesting with it? I bet the answer is no. No. But we'll have to see what they do. No, and honestly, this is something that they could take a lesson from the NFL in the sense of, like, when they get people coming up to make the picks. Make it an event. Make it interesting. It's cool that you have it in arenas. Sure, I guess. When they announced that the Sphere was going to be, I guess, the final draft before decentralizing i thought perfect because the sphere has proven as such a cool anomaly from u2 playing there when f1 was in vegas there's just so much cool stuff you can do with the sphere yeah i wonder like what would you like to see out of the sphere what would i like to see out of the sphere i mean you know what would be really interesting uh-huh is i don't know the layout of the sphere Going back to what I was saying about the NFL draft, when they did it in Nashville, they met at an event, they had a stage and everything outside. 
what if you got Gary Bettman to make the announcement of the pick for, on the sphere? That could be kind of cool. Yeah, have like the prospects and everything inside the sphere, have their families inside the sphere. Everybody else is outside. It's in, you're in Las Vegas in June. Make mm. an event out of it. Yeah, and then try to figure out how to use the outdoor indoor space. Yeah, and get like little rats and little cars to like drive around the sphere. That would be so cool. Because I know that one of my dad's coworkers, he actually went to see you too at the sphere. Okay. And he said it was amazing. And now keep well, in mind, he... this is like a diehard U2 fan. But even U2. he's just like, you look at that thing and that's like, that's that's really cool. Mm-hmm. So we got a signing to talk about, Tim. Winnipeg Jets have re-signed Nino Niederreiter with a three-year, $12 million contract with an AAV of four. Niederreiter has recorded eight goals, eight assists for 14 points in 24 games at the time of the signing. Can you believe that Nino Niederreiter has never made more than five and a half million? You know what? That honestly doesn't surprise me. Because he honestly doesn't, he's not a superstar by any means, but he is a guy that kind of fits what teams need and they pay him accordingly. Honestly, I think he's probably one of the most underrated players in the league. Like in terms of just moving, being excellent in both ends, pushing the puck where it needs to go and even having a nice amount of finish to him. Like his fans, like his underlying numbers are always impeccable and his counting stats are usually great too. Like we're talking, he's always good for 25 goals and usually a commensurate amount of assists and 50 point guys usually get more, especially if they're more onto the goal side and they are defensively good too. Like I'm surprised he's never gotten a $6 million contract. Yeah, but how much of that is the teams don't want to pay him or he understands that he can take less and play for better teams? Well, it's like looking at some of his salary cap history, sorry, some of the contracts he signed, I think he's being underrated. Yeah. Like we're talking about a guy who his second contract with Minnesota from 2014, 2017 was under three. And then he just signed two four million dollar contracts with nashville and winnipeg yeah don't forget carolina and carolina yeah so it's like just very weird contracts they are but you know what though is that i would agree with you that a lot of players in his position do get paid more but he could be in a position where like i said he he recognizes that i could play on a cut contender like Carolina yeah if I take less but it's all it's so it's weird too that he took a bit of a discount to play in Winnipeg so I'm not sure if Winnipeg is a contender no but you know what though that's probably a huge get for Winnipeg because yeah. in the years we've seen number of players I've just come out and said we don't like playing here yeah and it's it's weird too because like Winnipeg I'm not sure what they're missing because, like, it is a good raw. Like, I guess it is, like, it's a fine roster, but I guess there's no, there's no, like, real game breakers on there. No, I mean, there's big name players. Well, I guess your game breaker's Hellebuck. Would you include Shifley in that, though? 
I might have previously. Or does he he teeter? I think he teeters. Because I like Shifley, but I don't think he's ever, like, like, truly, truly been, like, one of those head and shoulders above guys. No. Although he definitely is on... He's on a finishing binge, that's for sure. And he's been finishing very well over the last two years. So, like, maybe that is the difference. But it's always been... I guess I've always been a little underwhelmed by Mark Shifley. I can't really talk too much about Shifley. I haven't watched a ton of him in Winnipeg. I've watched a lot of Hellebach, but I have not seen much of Shifley. But I guess the other thing is, like, it just feels like, yeah, they're missing. But at the very least, if... uh. Vladislav Nemestikov's on your second line. <laughs> there are issues. Yeah, but how much of this do you think is Winnipeg built a really good roster that wasn't great? I think that's part of it. I guess like their their defense is well, I guess they have Nikolai Ehlers who's and Kyle Connor who are also pretty underrated. Mm-hmm. But then like the defense, it's I like Dylan DeMello. I'm not sure if I like Dylan DeMello as your top top line defenseman. Don't get me wrong. I like Dylan DeMello. Ottawa should have kept him. Oh, oh, believe me. If you ever want to get a discussion of Trevor Shackles, you mentioned Dylan DeMello. Like, yeah. The, he should not have been traded. Full stop. He, no. And the fact they only got a third for him is uh, wild. But, uh, I don't think he's a first-line defenseman. No, he's definitely he's definitely more of a... He's a second-pair guy, for sure. I would say second, third, like a hard... Yeah, I would say second on certain teams, hard third on, on a lot of teams. Oh, he's a third on any team in the league. Yeah. Like, he was just quietly... He was quietly fantastic in Ottawa. He was the team dad. Yeah. He had the mustache to prove it. So, Tim, we got a fine to talk about. Colorado Avalanche forward Ross Colton was fined $5,000, the maximum lava under the CBA, for a dangerous trip on Anaheim Duck, Leo Carlson. Yeah, this one was pretty nasty. Well, Christ, if you think this is bad, you wait till next week when we got to talk about Gabranson being suspended, Perron probably going to be suspended. Perron six. Perron got six? Six. Yep. He, he got the phone call. Okay, I did not see this. I did not see it. It came out literally 15 minutes before we started recording. Yeah, that was so unbelievably dangerous. I could not believe he did that. I mean, unless you're a Wings fan, then that is, or Kevin Bieksa, and then that's just great hockey, good emotion. Uh, we hate, we hate uh, Matthew Joseph. Yeah. No, if only we had a game that we could probably talk about that, too. Yeah. Yeah. But honestly, what do you think of the fine? I mean, yeah. It was a nasty slash. Definitely deserved a fine. Maybe a game. So, Tim, we're going to close off top of the hour by talking about an Ottawa Senator story. The Ottawa Senators have hired Jacques Martin as senior advisor to the coaching staff. Martin served as Senator's head coach from 1996 until 2004. I think this is a cool way to get an extra, like an extra voice to help DJ Smith kind of rationalize things and give him a kind of a sounding board and stuff. This was actually, it's a util, sorry, a resource that DJ had when he was in Toronto with Jacques Lemaire 
serving in this sort of role. So it seems like it's a relationship that DJ, as soon, apparently as soon as he heard that that was an option, he jumped on it. Yeah. I just kind of love this fact that Michael and Lauer is building a boys club in Ottawa. That is like the old boys, the old, old Ottawa's boys club, like bringing back like Cyril Leader and stuff. Yeah, bringing back Cyril Leader, Alfie, Redden, Phillips, Neeler, Jacques Martin. What's next? Is he going to bring in Ron Tugnut as our goalie coach? I don't know. Or maybe, maybe. Oh, who, okay, who out of the former Sens goalies would you get for a goalie coach? Tugger or Patrick Levine? Hmm. I don't know. That's a tough one. Mate. Or do maybe they Craig for, Anderson. I was gonna say, or do they wait for Craig? Yeah. Well, I thought Craig Anderson took a role with Buffalo. He does. Yeah, he uh, he's currently with the Sabres, but you know what? When once that contract comes down, Michael Andler's got money. He's ours. I gotta say, I just I just I'm so giddy that we have an owner that has money and willing to spend it. Yeah, I'm excited. Because there are definitely good things. Good things are coming. Good things are coming, man. Good things are coming. Well, Tim, that wraps up top of the hour for this week, which can mean only one thing. So I'm talking about some games. Now, we got three games on the schedule. We've got the Rangers versus the Senators, the Battle of Ontario between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Ottawa Senators, and the Sens versus the Red Wings. But before we do that, let's hit the music. Okay, Tim, let's start talking about the Rangers versus the Senators. This is a 6-2 Senators victory. Rangers goals are scored by Artemi Panarin and Ke'Andre Miller. Sens goals are scored by Vladimir Tarasenko with two, Brady Chuck with two, Claude Giroux, and Drake Batherson. Shots were 35 even. This was just an exciting game to watch from start to finish. Feel bad for Barkley Goodrow. I know. God, like, when you see his teeth on the ice, it's like, oh. Just... I, I'd feel bad if I was Ke'Andre Miller, too. Like, just nothing he could have done. No, not at all. And you know what's even worse is that I had to go to the dentist that day. So to see that, it was like, oh. <sighs> but yeah, do you want to, like, game flow? I Like, watching that, you see just such a strong first period from Ottawa. Like, they wanted that game. And after, the, after that game against Seattle, they flipped. They played, they looked like they're just carrying the momentum right through. And then all of a sudden you get those two quick goals from New York, uh, Panarin on the power play and Andre Miller. And you get that here it comes again feeling, you know? Yeah, that was a feeling that I've gotten so many times watching these games this year. But, but then, you know who broke his goal scoring drought? Vladimir Tarasenko. This thing was a beautiful play. Okay. This is how I perfectly describe that first goal is, you know, when we were younger and your younger sibling would be put in the net and you pull that little move where you just kind of flick it top shelf. Yeah. That's that move. What's incredible is he did that against Igor Shesterkin. Yeah. Cause that a hundred percent of the time Shesterkin stops it. 
Yeah. But he just hit it perfectly. But he also was just in a great place, too. So, like, it went from being kind of a low-danger shot to just being perfect. So good. I mean, even bringing to Chuck, I mean, I thought he had a overall pretty good game for him. Two goals in this one. Well, a pretty good game for Brady Kachuk. He only scored two goals. Well, I mean, Tarasenko had two as well, and I'm just like, well, that's a cool move. Do you you know what's been, and we're going to be talking about this line all night, Stutzla, Batherson, Tarasenko. They have been great to watch. You know, as much as we always used to praise the B&B line, this line has been something else to watch. They were only even against New York's top line, but being even against New York's top line, that is an achievement. Oh, yeah. Like, Lafreniere, like, the Panarin line has been fantastic, and Lafreniere, he looked good lined up with uh, Trocek and uh, Panarin. Like, that's a scary line. Goodrow going down up. Lafreniere played double duty on Kreider and Zibanejad's wing. To go even against that line and still score, that's that's a hard work to do. It is. And you know what's funny? When we watch these games, especially when an original six team comes to town, you always scan the crowd and you see the jerseys and everything. I'm always amazed there's so many Rangers fans in Ottawa. You are close to New York. In Northern Ontario, though? Ottawa's not that. Ottawa's closer to Montreal than Northern Ontario. And Montreal's pretty close to New York. Am I off base here for you thinking that Ottawa's part of Northern Ontario? Nope. Ottawa's considered Southern Ontario. Northern Ontario starts like Sault Ste. Marie. Oh, okay. That's way up there. Up of the Hudson's Bay. Okay. Uh... Yeah, I guess so. I'm just looking at sorry, I'm just looking at a map of Ontario. No, okay. Okay, no, no, you're right. You're right. But I don't know. It just seems like the Rangers seem like maybe not so much nowadays, but overall. They are the weakest of the original six teams, just oh, yeah. based on legacy. Oh buddy, and we've talked about that in the past. They have them and LA have been the strongest teams in the NHL. Just straight up. And like that's been carried by the strength of New York skaters. As Shesterkin's season by his standards has been pedestrian. So this is a win that the Senators can really hang their hat on. And I feel like you actually kind of sold the Brady Kachuk line short because they dominated. Like they got the match against uh, the Panarin line and they dominated them. Yeah, well, the reason why I'm trying to, I wouldn't say I'm underselling them, but I'm trying to not put as emphasis on because I know you would go hard on it, but like, okay, they were great. They were fantastic. Another pairing that I absolutely loved, Brandstrom Zoo. Well, and you know, here at Third Line Plug, we are, we are enjoyers of both those players. And I actually agree with you on this. Branstrom and Zoo, like, yeah, they were playing like eight. Zoo played 25, Branstrom played 18. And uh, I think Branstrom got the harder assignments than Sanderson. If you want to see a nasty combo, Branstrom, Zoo, because when Branstrom doesn't have the puck, 
I don't know where it came from, but all of a sudden he's got a mean streak. He really does, man. Do you think maybe it's just because of all the years that he's taken abuse from everybody, he's finally just snapped? He, do you think that fight unlocked it? The fight unlocked the dog, and now he's got the dog in him? Oh, yeah. I would imagine he's got that dog in him. Yeah. The hard thing is, is like, I think his next contract is going, he's probably going to be asking for like three, four million if he continues to play like this. And, but the other nice thing is I think Ottawa could afford that because the cap's going up. Mm -hmm. Ottawa gets $5 million back of bed space. Sorry, bed space, dead space. Well, you know what? Maybe they're upgrading to king beds, Tim. Yeah. And uh, there's a bunch of players that like the guaranteed cost up is Jake Sanderson's contract starts, but that's Ottawa is already cap compliant. And had even with Jake Sanderson's contract on the books, Ottawa still has $12 million. Yeah. They probably not probably they re-signed Tarasenko. I guarantee that Kubelik's probably gone. So some of Tarasenko's money comes from Kubelik. And then I doubt Parker Kelly Parker Kelly contract, that's not going to be difficult. Shane Pinto, that's not going to be hard. I said that already once. So, yeah, there's money for Brandstrom. Yeah, I don't know what it is about Kubelik, man. He's just like, he had those couple of really nice games and then kind of fell off the face of the earth. Hey, we'll talk about him later. We will, man. We will. Actually, two more comments I want to make here. Jacob Chikrin's hand save. That was cool. How... What's even more impressive is that he didn't close the glove. Yeah. Do you realize how much that would actually hurt? I don't want to think about it. Because say here's the hand, you know, you got the glove and everything. Okay. Hey, I'm going to make a sound effect for you. Funk. You could hear it. Funk. Even just doing this with my hand to an open glove. My palm is sore. Imagine a piece of vulcanized rubber traveling at at least 75 miles an hour doing that. Probably more because like they're tracking how fast those pucks go and they're routinely clocking them at 88 plus. The NHL's fastest shot was just casually recorded in a game this season. Mm -hmm. Like, think about that. It wasn't like some guy trying to just rip it as hard as he could. It was a guy just, like, playing the game and ripping that sucker. God, that just hurts my hand to think that. What Chickering went through. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, this is a big statement win for the Sens. It really is. And Antoine Forsberg also looked really good in this one. 33 saves, 0.943. Yeah. And write this one down for the Department of Wire. You hear Zach McEwen, three minutes. Jacob Bernard Docker actually looked pretty good as Sanderson's line mate as well. I was very happy with that. If he if he's playing with someone who can help him process the game a bit faster and take care of that offensive offensive end. Bernard Docker looks more than comfortable at this point. I think Bernard Docker stays up when Shabbat's back. Mm -hmm. He's been good. He's been solid in his defensive end. I like what I see. And 
it's really funny because like Bernard Docker is definitely one of those off the board picks, but I think it kind of worked. Well, I'll tell you what, though, we're going to be talking about Jacob Bernard Docker here in our next game, Tim. The Battle of Ontario between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Ottawa Senators. This is a 4-3 Leafs victory. Leafs goes scored by Mitch Marner, David Camp, Kelly Youngkronk, and William Nylander. Sens goes scored by Josh Norris, Jacob Bernard Docker with his first NHL goal, and Claude Giroux. Shots were 41-22 for Ottawa. We didn't get Sens. We got Wold. Wool played incredibly, and it's a shame that he got hurt. Because I think Toronto has something in Jacob, like, sorry, Joseph Wool, they've got something. And that's just really cool. Well, not cool for us, but not cool, cool for, for Well, you know what? I'm going to play devil's advocate. A good battle of Ontario is great television. And I want goalies making ridiculous saves. Like, I want them on both ends. Because, like, watching watching Wool was actually kind of fun. So, no. yeah, like, I do want Wool to be good. And it's a shame, like, it's a shame that he's hurt. And it was just such a weird thing that happened, too. And frankly, had Joe, Martin Jones played that whole game, Ottawa would have won. Yeah, there's there's no question. There's no question. And you know what? Yeah, as much as we can sit here and talk about Wool and how great he played for Toronto... I don't know where you stand. I thought Antoff Forsberg looked awful. The camp goal, I'll excuse. The other ones he should have had. The camp goal was just... Yeah, like it kind of just kind of went through him. Uh, the Marner one, it's a botched trade, but he saw it the whole way. It's Marner. Marner has a fantastic shot. And if he gets all alone, he's going to score that one. Yeah, but the Yarn Kronk one. He, the Yarn Kronk one was bad. He should have had it. The Nylander one was worse. Yeah. So, like, no, the reason the Ottawa Senators lost is squarely on Anton Forsberg. Which is a shame because it the Ottawa Senators played so well in this game and they deserved to win it. They really did. And like I said at the beginning of this episode... I turned the game off when the Leafs went up 3-1 because I, I made a breakthrough in my sports fandom of like, you know what? I don't need to sit here and watch this. Decided to go do something else. And it was okay. Yeah. I didn't let it bother me. I just let it happen. But I'll tell you what I was really impressed with. And you know, these last couple of episodes, Tim, I've always been trying to make the I'm trying to make the analysis of like playing mini sticks or playing hockey in the driveway. Some of the moves that the Sens are pulling. Josh Norris, the slick move to fake the wrist shot and go five hole. That was so cool. That's a mini stick goal. That's a total mini stick goal. Well, it's just like, it's kind of the wind down of a period. Toronto's just had their first real big push of the game. Mm -hmm. Ottawa kills off this power play. And all of a sudden it's Norris gets the alley-oop pass, turns around, does his little move, just slides it through wool. That was beautiful. And that was like decidedly a first period that Ottawa won. And Ottawa continued their really strong play through the second. And you know what? Let's talk Jacob Berner Docker. Let's do it. Ottawa's down 3-1 on the backs of some pretty terrible work by Anton Forsberg. And I feel like 
the sends this season would normally have just packed it in at this point. Bernard Docker fights this one back. And it's just like a good hockey play ends up on a stick and he just rips this sucker. Not like a Travis Hamadick sort of ripped the pot shot, but a shot that actually goes through everybody. Yeah. But it's like, it's just a really nice slap shot from Bernard Docker. And this is another game where I really liked it. Like Sanderson, Bernard Docker, they were mostly matched up against the Matthews line and they did a fantastic job. Yeah, I'm surprised that Matthews didn't score on that one shot he had, where I th- believe it hit the crossbar. Yeah. And that's really the thing. It's just like, they actually did keep Matthews pretty contained to the point where I think the shot where Matthews had hit the crossbar, I think Kachuk's was probably closer to a goal. And Kachuk got robbed multiple times last night in that Leafs game. Go got robbed. Oh my god, dude! It was such a nice shot, and he even he's just like, "What do I have to do?" Yeah. Although I do want to make a comment about Tarasenko. Was something I saw on social media. Somebody was saying that, regardless of how the Sen season has gone, he's. Got to compliment Tarasenko for having very positive body language, and very oh, much, and very much not the oh god we're a five hundred team. He's just like you know what, let's keep going, let's do this. He seems to legitimately love Ottawa, like from every media, sorry, like every in-game interview he's done or post-game. It seems like he legitimately wants to be here. He's moved his family. And now he's getting rewarded. Like the newly minted, uh, I don't even want to call it like a second line because like, I feel like Ottawa has a 1A, 1B thing going. Mm-hmm. That line looks great. Like uh, Stutzla, Batherson, Tarasenko have been fantastic. They have. And it's really amazing how Tarasenko really has gelled with this team. Because we were sitting here thinking, how is this going to play out for Tarasenko? And the answer is pretty good. <laughs> Yep. Like that first game was rough. But then afterwards, it's just it literally the next game. And like Tarasenko is a streaky guy. It comes and goes for him. But it feels like his work has been in the offensive zone, in the defensive zone has been legitimately good. And he's probably been my one of my favorite senders this season. And it's nice to see him have a bounce back here. I totally agree. I totally agree. So, Tim, let's turn our attention to the third and final game in the evening. Sens versus Red Wings. This is a 5-1 to one Senators victory. Sens goes to score by Claude Giroux, Vladimir Tarasenko, Dominic Kubelik, Tim Stutzla, and Jake Sanderson. Patrick Kane got the lone Red Wings goal. Shots were 37-31 for Ottawa. I got to say, this is easily the most complete game Ottawa's played all year. Defensive, they were good. Offensive, they were dominant. And... Corpus Allo kept his in it. Yeah, like Detroit had a really strong push in the first. And then Ottawa really took the game over, unfortunately, even in that first period. Unfortunately, this game has been marred by quite possibly one of the most unfortunate injuries I've seen in an NHL game. Yeah, actually, you know what? Let's talk about this. So Matthew, Matthew Joseph hit on Dylan Larkin. And, you know, at first, I didn't know what happened. 
because I looked at it didn't look too serious at the time. I don't know if he or who was the other guy? Was it's it Parker Kelly? Kelly? I'm thinking it was maybe Parker Kelly that hit him too. So what happened? And what's funny is, you know, I'm not a big biz nasty guy, but he's right. If you want Matthew Joseph, it's just a standard box out play. One hand on the sh- on one of the shoulders, kind of pushing him out. Dylan Larkin loses his footing as Parker Kelly is coming to collect the puck coming out of the crease. And Parker Kelly accidentally hits him in the face. Mm-hmm. Like it's a complete accident play. Yeah. And then Zoop notice what's happening, calls calls the ref and a medic, and Perron decides to just sucker punch him. Oh, it wasn't a sucker punch. He straight up cross-checked, cross-checked him. him in the neck. So like it, this, and then you have Detroit fans are crying bloody murder. And anyone who tells them like, yeah, it was an accident play. Matthew Joseph got the correct he got a minor penalty, which is correct. They've like, yeah, they're just hounding people on social media to the point where even business. He's like, you guys are ghouls. Yeah. Like watch the play. You dumbasses. Like it's a freak. And then you have people wishing injury on Joseph, hoping for more retaliation, that sort of stuff. Like the, the social media reaction has been just ghoulish. Like it's total disgusting. It's so yeah. disgusting, right? I mean, it's this is stuff that you would expect out of like children, Raiders fans, or children. Yeah, exactly. I don't. It's like okay, if this was the other way around, Ottawa fans would. I mean, okay, I'm not gonna say that all Senators fans would like that. There'd be a number who'd be like, oh, you know, this is bullshit. Go after them. More majority of us would be like, okay, That's it was bullshit. Or even, that's bullshit, the ref should do a little more. I don't think you would get most sense fans being like, yeah, you should go after him. No, that, and that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying yeah. you have a certain section of the fan base that would do that. The rest of us would be like, it was unfortunate. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Like, it is. It's just a really unfortunate play. And 90 times out of 100, Dylan Lark, like, Joseph just boxes out Dylan Larkin and either Dylan Larkin doesn't hit a rut and fall down or Dylan Larkin falls down, but Parker Kelly isn't coming in. Yeah. And that's why like one of the funny things is like Joseph taking all the heat, even though it was Parker Kelly who uh, actually injured the guy where you have, like I've seen like when you're Parker Kelly in Detroit and it's Homer disappearing into the hedge. Yeah. Or it's like the meme I sent you. It's like, ooh, it's stiffed and shit. It's a Red Wings logo. Yeah. But the nice thing is, is Ottawa then, this is an opportunity for the Sens where Detroit is missing two of their best players, like two of their top players. And Ottawa just takes them to the cleaners after that. They do. They really, really do. And I do have a few notes here I want to make. Tim Stutzla. Let me tell you, while that goal was nice, we're going to give it to friend of the show, and a good friend of yours, Drake Batherson. Man, that pass. Talk about threading a needle with that one. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was beauty. I think the other thing that I really wanted to notice is Ottawa's five-on-five five work was fantastic. Detroit only really looked dangerous during their power plays. And when the game became 4-1 and Ottawa just stopped playing. That's why Patrick's game, Cole's, Patrick Kane's goal also just came on the power play. There was really nothing from Detroit at even strength. 
And I think that's one thing that the Sens team can work on. Like DJ in an Ian Mendez Mark article, like DJ Smith mentioned, it's like, yeah, they're really working on the details. One thing Ottawa has to work on still is discipline. Too many dumb penalties. Yeah, and I'm trying to think, was it was it this game or the Leafs game that there was a dumb penalty where he got hit into the bench? I think or it was I, the... Or, or am I mistaking? Yes. Maybe. I really want to talk about, yeah, Ottawa's defense played fantastic at five on five. Detroit, like Detroit really was trying to match up Patrick Kane against uh, Sanderson and Bernard Docker. They got that matchup and then they just kept losing that matchup. Kane and Debrinkit, they at five on five, they were worse than useless. And they were eaten alive by uh, Norris and Giroux. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure, Patrick Kane got his first goals at Red Wing, but it's just like, okay. It was kind of a weird goal, too. That's a classic Patrick goal, Patrick Kane goal, where he just just lights it from behind and just lets it rip. Yeah, that's fair. But this is really to the point where I, I've said this a lot of times, and if Dylan Larkin is out for extended time, this Detroit team is going to suffer. They're not good. No, and you know, you've had noted beef with the Red Wings this season, though. Yeah, they're just riding percentages. They're not good. You know, we were just talking about Ter- or Vladimir Tarasenko, that beauty one-timer he had in that game. I think what's really cool is that he got the one-timer up despite that crappy pass he got. I mean, good players can deal with it, right? Yeah, and same with Jonas Corposalo. I mean, he had some beauty five-alarm saves early on, but got 30 saves and a .968. Yeah, and who else but the Ottawa's top line to kind of lead, lead things in? Claude Giroux scoring within the first minute. And Ottawa, Ottawa really came out hard. And this is just a solid road game. Ottawa takes an early lead. They play great five-on-five. And just other than kind of early in the first where the home team always is going to get that big push. Detroit wasn't really in it. No. And it took three power plays for Detroit to get that. Three power plays in the first period. And Alex Leon looked bad. Yeah, honestly. We talked about him on Detroit, correct? Yeah, I believe we did. Why did I forget he's with Detroit now? It's one of those things that's very easy to miss, but it also makes sense. Given like Nadelkovich also ended up on Detroit for a bit. Yep. Yeah. And we praised that. Remember that? Yeah. Like it's a worthwhile game. Like this is the sort of gamble that Stevie Y takes. Yeah. He just hasn't hit. And frankly, the way their fans act on social media, I hope he doesn't. Fuck them. Yeah. Maybe this is a, is that, do you feel that's just a Detroit sports fan energy? Yeah, I think so. Which is surprising. Give, and I guess the Red Wings are their only good team. Well, like once the lot, pardon? The, the Lions. The Lions are good now. Okay. For the first time in like a hundred years, sure. Yeah. Like when's the last time the Pistons did anything? Literally never. Well, not in the last two decades, anyway. Yeah. Like, does... I don't even remember what 
Detroit's baseball team is called? Yeah, the Tigers. The Tigers, yeah. That's how irrelevant they are. So yeah, I guess it's like if they have that sort of energy and the only team that's ever been relevant in the last 20 years has been the Red Wings, then yeah, all the shitters are going to be there, but... Who do you think is more irrelevant, the Pittsburgh Pirates or the Detroit Tigers? The Detroit Tigers, because nobody has Detroit Tigers jokes. Everybody has Pittsburgh Pirates jokes. Fair enough. But yeah, to stop kicking a team when they're down. Again, I really like Jacob Bernard Docker's game here. That Bernard Docker Sanderson pairing has been sweet. Oh, it's been so good. You know what? If uh, Bernard Docker Sanderson continues to be a thing, what Shabbat's back and you have Shabbat Zub, Brad Strom Shikran, that's, that's pretty good defense. Because the other thing we've been seeing throughout this season is Travis Hamannick's playtime has been steadily decreasing. He only played 11 minutes this game. And when Shabbat was healthy, they opted for seven defensemen. Very honestly think that Hamannick will be the seventh defenseman by the end of the season. I, I could see that. And I- honestly, Travis Hamannick, like the room seems to like him. He he seems to love Ottawa. I'd be fine with him as a somebody. Like old vet who can't play but can can be a good guy in the room and teach people how to play the game right. That seems like a perfect fit for a seventh defenseman. Yuri Smekel's first game, very quiet. Seven minutes on the fourth line with uh, Kelly and Rourke Chartier. It was pretty good. He played more than uh, Travis. McHugh, sorry, he played more than McEwen. <laughs> Is McEwen even really still on this team? The minute Shabbat comes back, he's in the minors. And honestly, that fourth line played as well as they needed to. It wasn't amazing, but they weren't bleeding chances. And I've actually been pretty happy with the way that, like, in a fourth line role, Sharche and Kelly have been pretty good for the last couple weeks. So I'm pretty happy. So, Tim, I don't have any more comments to make on these games if you want to head off into the close for another episode. Let's do it. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. You can find the show on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play as well. (coughs) Excuse me. You can find us on social media at Third Line Plug. You can find me on social media at Great White Gibster. And you can find Tim on Twitter at M901 Honey Badger. So if there's any angry Red Wings fans, you can send your tweets to Tim. Tim will, Tim will respond in kind. Or he'll still I just it. won't. No. You're more of an anime count at this point. Pretty much. Yeah. That's good. Although, if you do get any angry Red Wing fans tweeting you, can you show me them? Oh, yeah. You can have a and if they're funny, if they're funny, I'll show you. Oh. Man, I like the angry, funny jokes, so it's all good, man. Yeah. So, Tim, for the games of the week, we've got three games on the schedule. We've got the game tomorrow night versus the Carolina Hurricanes. Thursday, we travel to St. Louis to play the St. Louis Blues. And Friday, we travel down to Dallas to play the Dallas Stars. Ooh, that sounds fun. It does sound fun, man. It does sound fun. But this is, it's a tough stretch of hockey we're going to be facing. Yeah, because we're on our 
long road trip now, aren't we? It's a long road trip, and these are good teams. The only one that I think that might be easier than you would expect is Carolina, just because they're going through the Carolina Bully Curse. Yeah. So, like, you could get three shots and win. But, yeah, it's it's tough sledding, and if but if Ottawa can take two of these games... Their season stays on track. And that's all they need. And this is Big Tip Jackson. Woo! 